0: Welcome to the Robin Report podcast series with host, best-selling author, and CEO of The Robin Report, Robin Lewis. Each show delivers provocative, opinionated, and unbiased conversations about retail, brands, and consumer behavior from industry leaders and experts. For more information about The Robin Report, visit therobinreport.com. Now, let's get started with The Robin Report podcast series.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Robin Report podcast series. I'm Shelley Cohan, and I will be hosting today's show, Leading Through the Perfect Storm, a discussion how leadership can move through the current crisis and create new business models, new systems, and optimized operations, focusing on three disrupted forces COVID 19, an economic shutdown, and the national movement for social justice. Moderated by Robin Lewis, the guests are Don Unser and Mark Cohen. Before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about our speakers today. Robin Lewis is the CEO and founder of The Robin Report. He co-authored The New Rules of Retail and Retail Seismic Shift. He has had senior positions at DuPont, VF Corp, WWD, and Goldman Sachs, and is interviewed across major media, quite frankly, is an icon in the industry and perhaps a guru, but one thing is for sure, Robin is quite opinionated. Don Unser leads the NPD group practice areas for thought leadership, financial services, and the public sector. He also oversees recruitment and business development efforts for NPD's panel of more than 1,300 retailers, representing all platforms, including e-com and and brick-and-mortar. Don's expertise in consumer and retail trends spans a wide range of general merchandise categories, making him a trusted advisor to some of today's most successful brands. Mark Cohen, he has 20 years experience in president, chairman, chief exec, um, C-level positions. Most recently, he was chairman, CEO of Sears Canada. So let's get started, Robin.
2: Okay. Thanks, Shelley. And... Hi to everybody out there, and Mark and Don, I'm very honored to have you guys and uh, two of the great retail brains in the industry, um, so, and we're going to have a great discussion today. I've had many discussions with you guys before, and I know that uh, a lot of your wisdom is going to be very uh, beneficial to everybody listening out there, so, yeah, the perfect storm. You know, I use that analogy a lot because it is a perfect storm, literally, are three major weather fronts colliding at the same time. So, metaphorically, we've got them. I mean, COVID 19, an economic collapse, and the national movement for social justice, equality, and inclusivity. You know, when you think about it, I mean, there is no enemy of this country that could attack us with anything as powerful as these three, three major issues. Um, however, here we are, uh, it is what it is and how our retail leaders are gonna lead through it to come out on the other side, hopefully successfully. Probably with uh, major changes to their business models based on changed consumer behavior. And some of it, of course, w- is driven by the coron- uh, coronavirus, and some of it driven by pre-virus trends uh, that the pandemic simply accelerated. So, um, before we start, let me just kind of set the stages to where we are today. Um, first of all, the big unknowns, when and where will the curve be downward and under control? And when will we have a vaccine? Uh, Right now in certain parts of the country, some retailers open too soon and are now having to close again. Other areas are slowly beginning to reopen with great caution. There are no national protocols, sadly. Uh, There's still not enough and fast enough testing and tracing so, you know, it's, it's pretty much every state having to kind of wing it. Uh, in short, the entire retail industry is also winging it. It's kind of like two step forward, one back. So with these unknowns and being blindsided on almost a daily basis, it's impossible for leaders to strategically plan for the future. It's more like uh, tech, tactical agility on a daily basis. So, uh, Don, I'm going to start with you, uh, since I know you've been <laughs> globe trotting and meeting with uh, senior and C-level leadership, uh, mainly because they need what you guys do now more than ever, NPD's tracking of uh, consumer behavior. I know you've been all over the place here, so give us a sense of what their mindset is out there and how they are leading their people and their businesses through this, and if you if, you know if you can comment on any specific retailers who are doing exceptionally well, um, that'd be great. And I won't ask you to call out the losers. We'll save that for Mark.
3: <laughs> well, thank Anyone? you, Robin, for having me on and uh, having MPD on. <clears throat> Mark, it's a pleasure to be on with you as well. Um, so first and foremost, uh, uh, Robin, I have not been globe trotting. I haven't been on an airplane right. business travel <laughs> since February. But uh, I have done more meetings with senior executives in retail uh, in the last four months than I probably have in the last 10 years. Um, well, as you and, told me, if you were in a private
2: jet, you couldn't do as much as you've done. Yeah, no. go ahead. No. Yeah.
3: We, I've, I've had hundreds of meetings. So uh, the disruption that you highlighted is acute and has direct effect on what we're seeing with the consumer and what we're seeing with the retail community and structure in the United States. Um, And we'll get into some of the behaviors here in a little while, which is the why, Robin, what we're seeing. But Uh what we're seeing, you know, if, if you look back five years and if you had a retailer that prepared for this event or this crisis, I don't think you could find one that did it better than, than the mass players uh, between Walmart and, uh, and target Um, they prepared, they had multiple channels, they had delivery, they had curbside pickup, they had the processes uh, they had scalability. uh, They had a broad portfolio of products, um, general merchandise and food. Um, so they were left open during the initial weeks of this crisis. So the mass players have certainly done very well through this in terms of demand. And I have to say that it's been impressive how they stepped up and served the need of the consumer during this period. Uh, the club channels have done well. Um, in addition, uh, they, they have been a, a place of, uh, of large gathering with the consumer, um, home improvement has been another one that is done really well. The one thing that we're not talking about during this crisis is that people have a lot more time on their hands. I mean, I have two hours a day in a commute that I had to uh, to the corporate offices at MPD that I no longer have. Right. Multiply that across all the consumers and the households and you've got people with a lot of time on their hands. The last piece that I would mention is direct-to-consumer. Brands really sought after... I'm sorry, consumers sought after brands when they couldn't get a uh, product from their normal channels uh, or two-day delivery that they became so accustomed to. And then on the downside, Robin, we've got all the mall-based soft lines. Um, that's, uh, that's, that's probably the biggest story of closures, uh, both temporary and permanent, uh, that you've been talking about for years, including your segment on 60 Minutes. Um, so that's kind of an overview channel wise on what we're seeing. Very good. That's very enlightening. And, um,
2: I know we're going to get into a little, into it a little deeper later. Uh, Mark, um, do you want to comment on any of Don's points? Also, since you uh, did in fact have multiple senior and C level positions with several major retailers, and you're now a professor of retailing at the Columbia Business School, and a very good one. <laughs> uh, what are your observations about how leaders handled the onset of the pandemic? Um, you know, what were the initial decisions they had to make about liquidity, their employees, and who was teetering on the edge even before the virus? And you know, any call outs you wanna make as well, and um, you, you can do what you do well which is critique.
4: <laughs> well, first off, I agree with everything that Don said. Uh, the the mass players, the clubs, were all um, uh, tremendously well-positioned by virtue of their footprints, their relationship with customers, and, of course, the assortments they sell. The linchpin being uh, food, home furnishings, home supplies played into the needs that customers are averted to. Um, but, but to Don's point, they, they acted uh, almost in concert in, in lockstep with the pace of this crisis to take advantage of the fact that customers were seeking them out. Uh, and so I think, look, at the end of the day, um, success and failure is always about uh, the presence of leadership or the lack thereof. And so these retailers who have done well have done well because their leadership has stepped into the breach. On the flip side, I think it's fair to say that virtually every retailer, virtually every brand who was struggling or doing poorly or doing less than well prior to the uh, crisis is in deep, deep trouble because certainly the crisis brings uh, all of their weaknesses to the fore. Uh, the fact is even the businesses that are doing well, the mass players, um, have their hands full in in managing to a bottom line because they're running very expensive operations as they power through the crisis. But they have the cash flow and they have the market share growth to be able to achieve that. The folks that have been in a dead stop position who were struggling in January, some who had been struggling for years when, when truth be told, um, in many cases are part of the drip, drip, drip of bankruptcies that we're starting to see almost every other day.
2: Yeah, you know, Mark was talking to somebody the other day from Goldman Sachs, and they were talking about this should be a period um, where the P.E. guys and the hedge funds and so forth, the vultures would swoop down and acquire companies on the cheap, but what he said is, as we all know, um, the financial industry constantly seeks um, uh, the ability to not only predict but to, um, you know, uh, to deal with issues of huge nature. But because, mean, he said even in the recession, they can't predict. They don't know what to do because they don't know when this thing will end. And so they are pulling back on their acquisitions. Um, You know, he said, uh, look, you know, in the recession, they knew what to do, fire hose money at it. But this is something that you can't do that to and make it go away. Anyway, so I thought I'd throw that comment in there. Um, So, You know, we did a survey among our senior and C-level readers recently to find out how they foresee a new normal and the constraints to getting there. Uh, One of our questions was, thinking about what you've learned over the past three months, what will the new normal likely be for your organization? You know, we got a lot of prescient responses, uh, but one respondent's answer is noteworthy and in my opinion, spot on. He said, nothing that we have experienced has prepared us for this phase. There is no normal and only the consumer will define what is next. And when asked about what were the biggest constraints or challenges to get to a new normal amongst all of our readers, 47% said it was responding to the new permanent consumer behavior. Access to capital was second and about 18% then, customer and employee safety was fourteen percent. Excess real uh, real estate is twelve percent, and store closures were twelve percent. So, if the biggest challenge is responding to new consumer behaviors, which we all know it is, Don, what major changes do you see in consumer behavior? Uh, do you see what do you see trending, and? that you think will stick coming out of the other, the other side, you know, things like,
3: yeah, go ahead. Robin, I like the answer from, from one of your executives that you surveyed. There is no real good playbook for what has happened and how to emerge coming out of it. And we are seeing clients both on the brand side and on the retail side spending a lot of time listening and observing of what the consumer is doing and what's next for the consumer. You can't only look at the what. You have to look at the why the consumer is acting the way that they are. So if you look at discretionary spend in the 15 to 20 categories that we track, um, you are you, you are now looking at uh, numbers of anywhere between for the last uh, four weeks – we're looking at 21% up, 11% up, 7% up, and 6% last week. And that's discretionary categories. That's apparel and technology and small appliances and toys. Um, and, and across all those, it's about $500 billion or $600 billion of annual consumer spend. So the consumer is spending money in retail right now, Robin. Yeah. and They're spending money because if you had any fraction – in terms of your employment, you're largely propped up by the government right now. So we're watching very closely as that potentially goes away here in the coming weeks and months. Um, We're also looking at a consumer that had a lot of spending that they had done on other household things and entertainment. Think of concerts and sporting events that's freed up to spend in retail. We're seeing that as well. So that is certainly something that's happening. But all things home have been... Overperforming and over-indexing, like you can't believe. So, cooking at home, entertaining at home, uh, exercising at home—all of these things are significantly up, Robin. So, that's that's what uh, that's what, uh, what we're observing with consumer behavior. But asking the why is critical at this time.
2: Yeah, yeah. But you know, Mark, the other day you said something that I thought was profound. You said, "Think about um, grand openings." And then you you said, this is a grand reopening. But your comments about that were, I think, very prescient.
4: I think consumers who've been cooped up for months, uh, many of whom are are, uh, flush with cash because they're receiving unemployment benefits, sometimes on top of their normal compensation, um, burst forth into stores that had newly opened and certainly – um uh gave everyone a sense that you know good times are back except i don't believe that's going to last first of all the the uh the exuberance is going to dissipate it's certainly dissipating in 29 of the 50 states where there are the outbreaks have have uh exploded um, it's also going to dissipate when unemployment subsidies end, and they will end. They may be extended at some point in the next few days, but they're going to end. And I also um, notice, and I'm sure everyone does, the drumbeat of layoffs and store closures, permanent store closures, permanent layoffs, that seems to be um, echoing throughout the canyons of industry. I mean, the the airline industry, uh, just one of the big players is talking about furloughing permanently or potentially permanently 25,000 flight attendants Uh, between Boeing and GE uh, jet engines. There are 13,000 highly skilled, highly paid production workers who are losing their jobs. These are folks who aren't going to call back to work anytime soon. So the, the aftermath of this pandemic, and by the way, we don't know, as you've said what the term is of this crisis. We don't know when this is going to abate, but the aftermath is going to be, um, some tremendous economic dislocation. And so I think the exuberance, which is stark, uh, and, and uplifting isn't going to last very long. Uh, yeah, there's a tremendous shift in, uh, categories from, um, uh, entertainment and, uh, outdoor resort investment into home and home entertainment. But, but at the end of the day, we're looking at an, a a tremendously impaired consumer who's going to have to lift themselves out of the crisis at some point. I know that they will. I'm sure that they will, but I think it could be a couple of years before it's completely evident.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a bleak picture. Um, So, one of the things that uh, you, know, you guys and I have been talking about for a long time is the shrinkage of physical retailing before the crisis. And what do you say about these enormous numbers and will the consumers experience with shopping online during the uh, virus growing by double digits? Is that gonna stick? And what percentage of total retail sales will eventually be done online, do you think? I know that's hard to speculate.
3: Yeah, so I'll take that first. Uh, Mark, by the way, I couldn't agree with you more on what we're about to see with the ripple effect of, of these uh, the employment situation and the immediate effect on retail. Uh, I think that's that's in the chapters to come for sure. Um, on the e-commerce piece, Robin, I think that uh, during this, this crisis, we've seen uh, by industry, we track e-commerce by industry, we've seen numbers go up. Uh, anywhere between seven points in terms of percent online of total uh, to over 25%. So I don't see that it's going to recede back a little bit, but not much, especially in markets where you've got stores that are going to close. That's going to move that entire market to to more online. So we do track that. We talk about it. I think it's important to look at it by industry, not in total. Uh, But we, we, you have certainly seen a, a movement to online that, uh, that is probably here forever.
2: Yeah, I I think, as I've said before, there's a morbid irony here in that, um, (laughs) just because of the pandemic and converging with online shopping, uh, we'll get rid of miles of excessive, uh, square footage out there, which I think is obviously good news. So, um, I know, Mark, do you want to say anything about that quickly? I know we're running close to out of time. I got one more question we need to respond to.
4: No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay.
2: Well, I I think we should discuss, I don't know, what we can call the elephant in the room. Um, We have to kind of bring this up as it is uh, keeping retailers up at night. At least that's what I hear. Amazon Prime, Amazon Prime week moving to fall. How will this impact other retailers? Uh, Dan, we can start
3: with you. Yeah, just two things real quick, and then I, I, want Mark, I want to hear what Mark has to say about this. Um, one is uh, this last week of sales was supposed to be prime. So um, we're comparing last year prime week to uh, last week's sales. So that's going to be interesting to see what the compare is on that. My biggest concern of where prime week is going to land this year is going to be so close to holiday. How much does that shift? Uh, that's the one piece that I'm watching very carefully.
4: Mark? Well, I look, I think Amazon Prime is a weapon that Amazon has used to expand its subscription base and its market share and to express itself in categories that it's still reaching toward largely private label apparel and accessories. So they wisely um, moved it because it would have been a logistics crisis in the making given the kind of effort that they've had to expend to service their food business and their home supplies business. So, so, you know, is it, is it, is it frightening for competitors to consider that it's likely to come up sometime in the fall? You bet. But, but again, I, I think Amazon has everything to gain and nothing to lose by positioning it close to the holiday. They don't want to let it get too close because it creates a logistics crisis by way of delivery. I think they're completely um, uh, devoted to getting back to that one-day guaranteed delivery cycle for Prime members, which they've been inching back towards. And I think in my personal experience, they've actually achieved. So when they fire that gun, it's going to be ever more compelling than it's been because it'll be in-season, in-line goods, deeply discounted. Uh, They're probably working very hard to architect the event so as to yield more margin than they might otherwise have uh, been able to achieve in in the last two years. And uh, most retailers who are worried about it just better cover their ears because there's no defense.
2: Yep. Well, you guys, I really appreciate it, Don and Mark, and I hope to see you again when we can get together in the real world. (laughs) So take care and thank you again very
0: much. Thank you for tuning in to the Robin Report podcast series. If you want to find out more behind today's program, be sure to check out therobinreport.com and sign up for our email list for the daily digital reporting on everything of importance in the retail and related industries. The Robin Report is a trusted source of knowledge, insight, and analysis For today's retail leaders, stay connected with Robin Lewis on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Visit our website for upcoming episodes. We look forward to your joining our next episode.